You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. I'm going to introduce to you a guest. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Dan, you know, you had your wife speak last week, and you're not speaking this week. Um, and honestly, when I contacted uh, our guest, it was around Thursday, and I was not feeling like I was going to be up for anything. Today, I'm actually doing a lot better, and I'm so gr- grateful for that. But I still wanted to have him come, and he's a friend of our church. Um, he is a missionary as well, uh, he's a missionary that we support on a regular basis and who has been a, a good friend to Living Hope. And so he uh, is a campus missionary, a Chi Alpha missionary on the campus of UMass, sorry, not UMass, UConn, Connecticut. Um, and so he's going to, I'm just going to introduce him to you um, as he comes. So we just welcome Gil Banton as he comes to share with you today. So Gil, thanks for joining me this morning. It's really awesome to have you here. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Yeah, so we were definitely at UConn, but... <laughs> Sorry about that, by the way. <laughs> no, you're fine. We're at, you know, the state college, right? So, yeah, it's great to be here. And just, just to reiterate that, man, we Living Hope has been a friend to us for the years that we've been here and the pioneering efforts we've been doing. And uh, we don't call ourselves pioneers anymore, although it feels like after, like everybody, after COVID and everything that we are continually pioneering in, in some ways, right, as we try to take the gospel to lost people. So, so yeah, so we appreciate being here. So it's an honor to be with you guys, even via the internet. You guys have made an impact in our lives, and we appreciate you. So. Well, Gil, how are things going at UConn? I know that things have been a little challenging with, um, you know, obviously, uh, you had a complete shutdown in 2020, and then things started to open up again in 2021. How are things uh, going um, at UConn, and how are how is the ministry adapting to um, kind of the day-by-day changes when it comes to ministering to students, and what are you guys focusing on right now? So, yeah, in some ways, it hasn't changed at all as far as our focus. Um, I think we just lost a little bit of momentum. So we had a really good, actually, online presence, um, but we didn't have a lot of reload because we had no access to freshmen during it all of 2021. Um, until the fall. So 2020, 2021 school year, no access to freshmen really. We had, but we still, God still was blessed. He just blessed us. And we had two freshmen who somehow found us and got involved in our online community and they became student leaders. And so we're re just kind of taking the, our, our core beliefs of making disciples, uh, who make disciples, who make disciples and trying to get that back DNA back into our students and, um, seeing some success with that. It's just a slow process when you're doing friendship evangelism because a lot of our access has not been been there campus-wise. I will say this too, it's interesting um, that we've had a, I mean, I don't know, we must have had five or 600 contacts, most contacts we ever had in the fall. Um, and so we had incredible gospel conversations with these people, these young men and women. Most of them have not said yes to Jesus or even gotten involved. So that's kind of weird. But we're having more, as we do more and more one-on-one evangelism with our staff, our staff goes out and does that and takes students with them. They're having great opportunities to talk to people. So people are more um, willing to talk about Jesus than they've ever been, but they're also less likely to commit. So I think it's a bit of that online presence thing that's happened. People are just more wary. So I think that's really encouraging to hear that, you know, a lot of times, especially as we're talking with, uh, you know, our own congregation about, the need to share Jesus 
And, uh, you know, how I was like, well, we're not so sure people are willing to hear that. But having it sounds it's encouraging to me to hear that these organic conversations that you're having with uh, students about Jesus is, um, is is an exciting development because it means that people are open to that conversation, at least, even if you're not necessarily seeing how that transitions to like uh, a commitment. But I think that could be you know, a result of this last couple of years, kind of a commitment phobia that's kind of taking place in a lot of areas. I mean, we're seeing it in the workplace. I think we're seeing it, uh, you know, in different areas. And I think we're seeing it in some churches too as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think in general for the last 10 years or so, young adults have been very commitment, like fear of missing out in general. Um, but I think when you add in, there's there, and they're already a little socially awkward, and you add in a year being online and only seeing people through a screen like we're doing today. Um, and I think all those things add up to just, we, we have to learn how to be human again. We're image bearers of God, but and they might not see that yet, but I think we can all work as we're human. And I think we're social creatures and there's, it's just learning how to be social again, which is as weird as that sounds, but, but it is true. Like we have to learn how to be in community and, um, yeah, the gospel is, is community-oriented. All right, here we go. I'm going to just preach. Um, so, man, again, like Dan was saying, it's so good to be with you guys. And we're going to be uh, we're gonna be in Mark chapter 1. And so if you want to turn to Mark chapter 1 and get there, that'd be great. And we're going to be starting to read from when I finally get to reading the scriptures in verse 29. So... If you just get into that area of the Bible, Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Um, so like I was saying, in Kaf, we believe in making disciples to make disciples to make disciples. And I would just say to you this, it's been a challenging year. It has been a challenging um, place to uh, to walk and to be in, in these places, right? And we're going to just kind of look at what it means for Jesus to live in rhythms of mission, but healthy rhythms of mission. And so I think as, as we as we talk about the uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ and, and, and Chi Alpha, I would say one thing that I would say is always true is if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're not using your time, your resources, I, your money, your time, your talents to make disciples, then you're not obeying Jesus. And what I mean by that is, is that we can't just be uh, part of uh, the Christian understanding of Christ. We have to be um, be involved in what Christ is doing in the world in order to uh, to be a to be followers of Jesus. And so I can remember growing up and I actually came to Christ in college. My wife, just so you guys know, you probably my wife and my kids aren't here. They're at a Chi Alpha conference. You know, actually I'm the only Chi Alpha missionary I think in New England right now because everybody else is in Philadelphia um, for our our student conference called SALT. And it is, uh, it's an awesome conference and they're finishing up today. So we're going to, if you pray for those students that are, uh, sitting in there and, um, and ministering to the, to the living, to, I mean, they're being ministered to by the living God. Not, they're not necessarily ministering to him, but they're interacting with him. And, uh, so my wife is there. She's been running the XAMK camp. We call it Chi Alpha Missionary Kids, uh, so that the other Alpha missionaries can focus on, on serving our students in the region. And there's campuses there all the way from Virginia all the way to Maine. So the Northeast has been there. So that's what's been going on in our world just this fall. We have three students there from UConn. And there, I think there's some students from 
Uh, they're from all over that are there. So we're thankful to be a part of this region and to be ministering to lost students in the area. And that means making disciples. It means we, we, we practice what we preach. We give to missions. We're involved in this, this missional journey. So my wife's name is Lindsay. I have three kids, Emma, who is 15, Addison, who is 13, and Ben, who is eight, who is in the other room, uh, probably watching cartoons, unfortunately. I'm a dad, too. So that's kind of my life, and we, we serve students. And the reality is, is even during COVID, right, where distractions come everywhere. And so how do we live this missional life to go make disciples? How do you do that in your neighborhood? How do you do that in, um, in what you're doing and, uh, and all those different things, right? How do you live in a way that is going to help you to be a disciple of Jesus, that's the question. And I, th- I feel like Jesus himself gave us insight into this. And so we're going to read in that. Because, you know, if you don't, if we're going to be on mission, what ends up happening is we get distracted by hobbies. We get distracted by our kids. We get distracted by basketball, by sports, by all these different things, right? And all these things are coming at us constantly because we have these things in our, in our pocket called a cell phone right here, right? That I can get news, I can get all those sorts of things that happen on a daily basis in that moment that that just come at me constantly and make it a a hard thing to do, right? And so as we walk through those things and we understand that, let's, let's understand that we have distractions coming everywhere. And so let's just acknowledge those distractions as we read the scripture to understand that if, you, if you're not careful, you can be on mission from God, and you can never actually hear God's voice. You can be so far for, ahead of the shepherd that you're not hearing his voice. And so we just want to look at, and briefly, I'm only going to be like maybe 20 more minutes, if we're going to briefly look at Jesus's life and one snapshot of his life as he started to open up his ministry and what happened and how I believe if you look throughout the entire book of Mark and Matthew, you're going to see that Jesus does this all over the place. He lives in a rhythm of life that is different, that seems countercultural because it is. And so if you look at Mark 1, chapter 1, verses 29, it says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to walk on began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out the demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, and he left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him, and they found him, and they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That that is why I have come. So they traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So, if you look back up in verse 29, we see here that Jesus was in the synagogue. It was the Sabbath. And um, 
I can remember like, I want to say that, that Jesus, where you see here, welcomes people well. Now I'm reading into the text a little bit here. Um, I'm kind of putting myself in the text. I remember when I had the privilege and the, um, the ridiculousness of going to Israel and also going to Hawaii. When I, I, My wife and I like had this awesome honeymoon. We got to go to Hawaii. Uh, um, probably spent too much money on it, you know, 20 years ago. But we did. We went to Hawaii. And I can remember like Polynesian culture being just so welcoming, right? They're like, I mean, one, they wanted my money, right? So, but like everything's like, aloha, aloha, all this, you know, like welcoming culture. Um, and that's so true of Israel. It's so true of this time period, the, the hospi- hospitality and being hospitable, especially on the Sabbath, is a big deal. And the word aloha um, it, it's more than just hello. Like when, when Americans, well, first of all, in, in, in New England, we probably don't even say hello to people. We don't look at people because it's cold and we just like walk, you know. Um, I remember I actually also lived in D.C. for a while. And I remember it was so odd. I don't know if this is the way in Boston because I don't live in a city currently. But in D.C. when I lived there, the bus was like the talking culture. Like you would talk on the bus and we would get off the bus to get on the train to go downtown. And then no one would talk to each other. These are the same people, right, that I rode the bus with. And they were all talking, saying hello to each other. We get on the train, what we call it the metro, and uh, no one would talk or look at each other. I just find that so odd. I always thought it was so funny that we were the same people I was talking to on the bus and now could not talk to me because they were on the train. Um, I just think it's funny how Americans are. But we always just say hello, right? We say hello or we say how are you doing when we don't mean it. And if someone actually tells you how they're doing, you don't care. But and other cultures, words actually matter, and they're not just greeting. And so the word aloha, it literally is a word that describes uh, love, affection, gratitude, kindness. It can mean pity or compassion, grief. Um, or it could be also a greeting. Or it also could be a greeting. So it's this word, anciently, that describes this idea of like welcoming people in. And so Jesus would have walked, when I was in Israel, on the Sabbath, people walked up constantly and said Shabbat Shalom or Shalom Shabbat. This idea of Shabbat meaning Sabbath, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat greeting. And the word Shalom literally means peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility. And um, it's also could be used to mean hello and goodbye. So the word Shalom means completeness. Now, if we go back to the first the first little section of Scripture in Mark 1, we see that that Jesus here walks, he's just left the synagogue, he's invited James and John's house to celebrate the Sabbath, right? And he finds out that Simon's mother is is with fever. Now, can you be, can you celebrate, can you be with God if you're worried? So I think the first step in living a missional life is welcoming like Jesus welcomes. And, and the word shalom means to be complete. And so Jesus, being God, walks into this home and heals on the Sabbath, right? Because he wants everybody and everybody to be with him to be complete, to sit in completeness with him, to have complete peace. The word, it doesn't mean peace, but it's this, it's this sense of like everything is right, even when everything is not. That's kind of the word that we're talking about here. That's the word shalom. Just that I find my being and my goodness in God, and that I'm there. And so Jesus welcomes well, and he walks in. And in this case, in order to welcome well, then say Shabbat Shalom. That's a great lesson for us today, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it totally is. And so I think it's awesome that he does that. So you're back on. That's awesome. I wasn't sure what was going on there. But um, he, uh, he he welcomes well. And so that's that's what he's doing there. He's, he's saying, uh, hey. I'm a little delayed, so you'll have to forgive me on that. Gail. I apologize for that. Oh, that's okay. Um, I just went ahead and just started preaching. Is that all right? Or we, we good? Um. Quite all so right. So that's the, that's the idea is just harmony. So he's working for harmony. And so I would just say this to you. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Um, quite all right. So that's the idea is just harmony. So he's working for harmony. So I would just um, say this to you. If, if you're to welcome people in your community with, with the love of Christ, what would that look like? How do you invite people into God's peace? What does it mean to live like Christ and welcome people well? And only, I, I don't know, I don't have answers for you for that. I think you need to figure that out for yourself. But I think there's a part of that his is that, that piece that Pastor Dan just shared with us in Genesis, actually, is that he says he created the world and he did these things. And it also says, if you notice, it's a very, very unique thing here. He says that it was evening, it was morning it was evening and then it was morning the first day. And it says that seven times. It was evening and it was morning the first day. And I don't know about you, but I don't think about the world that way. I think about morning, like the day starting in the morning. But for God, it, for, the, for God, it means that I, I, the world starts with rest. That my work starts with rest and Jesus' work starts with rest. And we'll see this. That Then Jesus went and he goes in this verse. He goes and he does work, right? So he starts in the Sabbath. He starts with rest. He starts with welcoming. Then he goes to work. Everybody hears about what happened. They probably heard him speak in the synagogue. And they, they, they're good Jews. They wait till the Sabbath is over at sunset. And then they are like bombarding the house. And Jesus works all night. And there's a revival happening. And I mean, we're Pentecostal people, right? People are coming to, they're like getting healed. Things are happening. Like the power of God is moving and Jesus's compassion is there and he is with people who are hurting. And he goes all night. And then eventually, I guess people got tired and they went away and they went to bed. Um, and the next morning, the disciples, they cannot find him anywhere. Peter, and they're like pumped. They're like me, right? And so the second point of that is that he welcomed well. And then he went to work. He went on a mission for God. And he did what the father asked him to do. He knew who he was and what he was doing. Um, but the last thing that he did that I just want to point out, and we're going to spend most of our time in this, is this section. And I'm just going to read it to you again real quick. because it's so. It says in verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So first he welcomed. He had joy. He worked. He gave people freedom. And he called them into freedom. But lastly, he withdrew. This is the last thing I would have, I would expect to do. This is the last thing I would expect Jesus to do. And it was definitely the last thing that Peter and Andrew thought 
they 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 thought that he would ever do. They they are in the middle of a revival in their town in Capernaum, and we're talking like, I mean, this is a it's not it's a big town for that area, but it's not a big town, right? It's not Jerusalem. It's not Megiddo. It's not these giant cities of the area. But it's a it's a good sized town, and he's there, and he's there. Like they can't find him anywhere. Can you imagine? And what would we do? We would continue to do that work there. We'd be like, look, there's a revival happening. We're going to just stay here. We're going to minister. We're going to continue to go. And if and if we we would have burned ourselves out because we would miss the places that Jesus knew the Father's work. He knew there was a bigger picture involved. And he knew the biggest picture was he needed to be with the Father. And often you get burned down in ministry because because you don't spend enough time with the Father. Your rhythms are all wrecked. And I know this from personal because it happened to me and and it happens to me. My rhythms get wrecked. They get wrecked by COVID. They get wrecked by uh, inconveniences. They get wrecked by running the kids to soccer practice. Um, We've got to find places of pausing in our life. To be with the Father. Again, that evening to morning thing. You don't. We don't work to rest. Marva Don, um, a theologian at a Regent College, who's now with the Lord, said we don't work to rest, but we rest to work. That it's not one or the other, that it's both and. That you're created to be with the Father, and you're created to be on mission with the Father. And so that means that we need to live in these rhythms of, of withdrawing. You need to have places daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly that you withdraw to be with the Father and to be with the Son and to be with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus does this. And so Peter, he's like, he's doing the right thing here, right? He's like, there's, there's a need. We need to meet this need. Let's go meet the need. And he's trying to find Christ. And he gets there. And I think that would be the same way. And Simon says, uh, everyone is looking for you. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus' response is, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. For that is why I've come. And so he traveled to all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, if Peter was in charge, uh, the mission of God would not have happened. If Peter was in charge, um, they would have kept working, 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 and working until they were burned out. That's what would happen. But because Jesus withdrew, because he knew he needed to be with his father. And the other thing, too, is he's Trinitarian God. He is drawn to himself, obviously. But but the, the example we have here is that God wants us to be with him. And Jesus is modeling that for us. And we see this over and over and over and over again in the New Testament. Christ often withdraws with his disciples. He often goes and is often withdraws and is alone. Your relationships are important and your time with Christ is important. And we need to like develop this skill of like hearing the shepherd's voice. Because if we don't, we're going to burn out. We might even like walk away from God. Because we're going to be so far, again, ahead of the shepherd that we can't hear his voice. I just think it's so important as we think through this, this idea of shalom and completeness and the bookends of work there that Jesus modeled there, right? Welcoming people into this idea that 
I don't have to do the evangelism. I can just invite people into who God is. And then having my, my spiritual radar up to go work for Christ, but know when I'm tired and know when I need to be refueled. The average Christian and the average pastor today is going out, and our, most of you guys are probably doing devotions, and that's great. But the problem is for me, when I used to just do a quiet time only, um, and I wasn't withdrawing from God with little tempests during the middle of the day, or what I would call, whatever you want to call I call them pauses, like um, like you see in the Psalms, right? Uh, but whatever you want to call them, um, like a sila pause, that's what I would, I would call it. Uh, I need more time with Jesus than I think that I do. And the problem is this, is it's like I filled up my gas tank with an eighth of a tank of gas. And then I go out and I have my kids that need me and my wife that needs me and these things at work that need me, whether you're, maybe you're a mechanic or a school teacher or you work in a factory, whatever it is that God's called you to do in the world, there are people around you and the enemy is out there and he is, he's, he's attacking. We live in a world that is a spiritual battle. These are real things. And as, as Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the armor of God, I think the armor of God is also staying connected to the commander. That's why in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about praying continuously. And how we pray continuously is, is prayer is not just about me talking. If you're the only one talking, that's not prayer. That's what's happening right now. That's a monologue. That's a speech. That's what that is. Prayer is about you encountering and being with God. And that means you need to be able to listen to him. And Jesus inherently understood this. And he knew his mission. And he went and he got refueled with the Father. And then he went back to the, he, re, he reset. He went to a new town because he knew the mission. Your mission is not Jesus' mission. Jesus has a mission he's going to give you. And it is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's not for professional Christians only. We are all called to Christ. That is your calling. That's my calling. And so that's what I just invite you guys to today, um, is this understanding that if we are going to live in the world, we need to live in it. And I just want to like really find one little quote, more quote here, if I can, in my notes. Um... We need to live in a way that God is uh, is not, we're not just like on the street saying hello, right? Like, I have to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Full, putting on the full armor of God. Because everything in this world is forming me. And it's either forming me in the image of the world, the image of the devil, or the image of myself. Or I can be formed in the image of Christ. But it's one of those four things. I want to be formed in the image of Christ. And the only way I can be formed in the image of Christ is by having a robust rhythms around my relationships with Jesus, around going to church. Um, but also my daily walk, that I'm like putting some structure around that and withdrawing, welcoming, and going to work. See, the problem is, is this is that there's the, a lot of congregations, we can get into two, two different camps. There's ones that are really into the draw part, right? Um, and they're so heavily minded, they're of no earthly good, right? They just are like over here in this spiritual blah, blah, blah thing. 
And then there's those people who are way over here on the work side, like I talked about earlier, that we get so far ahead that sometimes we're making decisions for God. And the sweet spot is this what Jesus is modeling here. Is that he wants to be with you. He wants you to live at peace. He wants you to invite other people into that same shalom of completeness. To not be fake, but to live in this idea that what can I do weekly, monthly, and yearly that allows me to be with the Father so that I know his voice well. So that when the Holy Spirit speaks and says, go over here and do this, I'm listening. And I'm doing it. It's Pastor Dan and I are, you know, God's called us to this ministry for this season. He's called you to this church for this season and to your communities and to your kids and to your spouses and to your family. And if you're going to live well for God, I think this Mark 1 passage is really, really important. Because Jesus definitely preached in that synagogue. He definitely healed people. And he definitely says in John 14 that you're going to do even greater gifts than those than he did. And I don't know what all of that means. But what I do know is, is that uh, his word does not return void. What I do know is, is that he is still sitting on the throne. I have a professor who likes to say that, um, and so when you're out there and you're nervous and you're out there and you burn out and you're out there and you're, like, and you're trying to figure these things out, I have two encouragements. One, I want you to think about this one statement I'm going to say, and then um, we can close out. And the second thing I want you to understand is, is that, uh, First encouragement is the statement I'm going to say. And the second thing is, is that think about how you can structure your day so that you're not just meeting with God once a day, but maybe meeting with multiple times a day so that you can partner in work. But the statement I want you to remember when you get nervous or you feel burnt out is this, is that I am one who Christ dwells and delights in. And I live in his unshakable. Uh, James Bryant said that. It says a theology of the about how God is reigning in our lives. And if God's reigning, I don't have to. So then how do I how do I structure my day, my week, my year to to hear God's voice so that I can partner with him? And I'm sure Pastor Dan will help you do that. I know I know that's part of his part his his family part as well is that they're trying to, to do that. So so thanks for listening. I'm gonna hand it back over to, to Pastor Dan. Um Man, I, I hope to be with you guys soon in person and we could give each other a, a hug. And um, this is going to end one way or another. Um, and so just understand that, yeah, the, we are not promised a, an easy life, but it is a joyful life and God wants to use you. So. Thanks so much, Gil. I'm so sorry for the uh, difficulties that we had with um, uh, our connection here. There was a point where I could hear everything, and then there were things at a point where I could not hear everything, so that was a little difficult. But I really appreciate what Gil had to say. Um, I don't know if you picked up on what he was talking about, but he was really talking about um, uh, fitting into a rhythm where God is continually a part of your life. Um, and it's easy for life to throw you off. And so I so appreciate his message about, um, you know, not getting burnt out, not just spending time with God one part of the day, but including him in every part of your day. And uh, so 
I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to to find space for him and to make space for him too, um, especially if you're feeling burnt out. Um, it's particularly difficult to do if you're feeling sick or discouraged. But uh, I so appreciate Gil's message, um, and hopefully I didn't distract from that too much with with these technical difficulties here. But uh, I so appreciate uh, him sharing that with you. And kind of the way I want to wrap this up today before we um, part ways is to really just take a moment and think about yourself. Are you feeling burnt out? Are you feeling um, exhausted uh, physically that you feel like you have no energy to give of yourself anymore um, and that daily life is, is a chore? Or maybe you're experiencing some emotional burnout. Uh, that usually happens when we have uh, too much going on and too much that demands our attention and uh, we don't have enough to give of ourselves anymore. Um, we've been so spent emotionally um, from everything that we've been going through that uh, it's difficult for us to kind of keep going. Um, or perhaps you're just spiritually burnt out, which, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, that we can kind of settle into our routine and that it becomes a, a face or an activity that we do, but it's not actually who we are. Um, we need to align ourselves um, with who we are proclaiming to follow and who we're proclaiming to be. If we're Christians or if we're following God, if we're walking in the spirit, then let's live a life that reflects that. That's incredibly important. So can I pray for you before you go? And uh, I just want to just lift you up in prayer, encourage you today um, and, and encourage you to do what Gil was talking about, to take some intentional time to not only pray throughout the day. I mean, the scriptures tell us to pray without ceasing, right? doesn't mean that we just pray and do nothing else. That would be great if we could do that. But to pray throughout the course of daily life and to interact with God on a regular basis so that we stay connected to him. And uh, so I want to encourage you to do that. If you're feeling that way today, let's just give that over to God. As we look at 2022 and maybe you're kind of looking at it like, well, more of the same. Um, I want to encourage you to to continue to put your hope and trust in the Lord for the future and things that are going forward. So let's do that as we close this time in prayer. So Lord, we just give you this moment today. We give you um, our, our, our time, our effort, our energy. Lord, we also give you our hearts and our lives. Some of us are tired. Some of us are burnt out. Some of us are just empty inside. But Lord God, you are the one that dwells within us. Your spirit dwells within us. And that, Lord, it will not only quicken our mortal body, but that it will uh, reignite the flame for of passion for the things that uh, you want us to do. As Gil mentioned, you have a we have a mission that you want us to accomplish, a work that you want us to do, and we can't do that in and of ourselves. It would be a mistake to do so, and that's where a lot of our discouragement, that's where a lot of our frustration comes from. But today, Lord, I pray, minister to each person that's listening this morning. Would you reach them right where they're at? Can you minister to them even now that they would know or that you're with them? Regenerate and rejuvenate their enthusiasm for God, for for the things of God, uh, for the things that they have to do, that they don't want to do. Would you just let them know, Lord God, that you are with them and you'll see them through, Lord God. And there will be an end in sight. And as we talked about before, Lord, all the things that you create and that you start, are good. And so, Lord, we look forward to the end result of all these things. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Well, we're grateful that you joined us today, and we pray that you'll have a great week ahead, and we'll see you next week. Take care and God bless. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.